Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. I'd like to welcome everyone today. And if you're a guest today, we welcome you. Thank you for being here with us today. If you're first or second time with us, praise God. If it's your first or second time with us, we invite you to stop by our welcome area in the back. We have a small token of appreciation to give you for being here today. If you're joining us online this morning, wherever you may be watching from, we pray that you are blessed by this service today as well. Praise God. Revelation chapter 1, verse number 10. Revelation chapter 1, beginning with verse number 10. John, under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost speaking, says, I was in the Spirit. Notice, make sure it's that way on the screen. It's a capital S. So that is the Spirit, the Spirit of God, the Holy Ghost. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first, the last, and what thou seest, write in a book and send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia and Ephesus and Smyrna and Pergamos and Thyatira and Sardis and unto Philadelphia and Laodicea and I turned to see the voice that spake with me and being turned I saw seven golden candlesticks and in the midst of the seven candlesticks one like unto the son of man clothed with a garment down to the foot and gird about the paps with a golden girdle his head and his hairs were like wool as white as snow and his eyes were as a flame of fire. And his feet like unto fine brass, as if they burned in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. And he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of the mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead, and he laid his hand his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he. Just lost my place. There it is. I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. Oh, hallelujah. Verse number 10 in the Amplified says it like this. I was in the Spirit, wrapped in His power on the Lord's day. I was in the Spirit, wrapped in His power on the Lord's day. I'm going to read some other verses in a little bit that will perhaps make this more relevant to what I have just read. I want to preach to you this morning on this subject, Revelation in Isolation. Revelation in Isolation. God, I thank you for your presence that we feel in this place today. I thank you for the privilege of being in your presence, God. There's no better place to be than in your presence. I thank you, God, for your spirit that has already been moving and working in this place today, already touching and ministering to hearts and lives. And God, I pray that you would continue that now through your word, that your spirit would minister and speak to the hearts and the lives that are in this place today. I trust and believe you, God, that a word, a message from you would be spoken today, not a sermon, God, to just fill the time in this service, but a message that would come from you that would find good ground in somebody's heart today, Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ, God, I trust you again today. I depend on you, Lord. Acknowledge that without you I can do nothing, Father. In the name of Jesus Christ, in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. 
You may be seated. What an amazing passage we have just read. What an experience that John had. He says, I, I heard this voice, this voice saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. And he says, I, I turned to see the voice that spake with me and when he turned, he, he didn't see a figure of a man, he didn't see someone, but he said, I, I saw seven golden candlesticks, and then in the midst of those candlesticks, one like the Son of Man, and he goes on to describe what he had seen and what happened in the voice. He says, this voice was as the sound of many waters. I, I gotta tell, I've been born and raised in church, and born and raised an apostolic, all this stuff that to a guest, to a first-time visitor to an apostolic church that seems so crazy and wild is 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 the norm to me. I, I don't think twice about it because that's what I've I've known and, and 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 I believe in all of it and I enjoy all of it, but I I, I never experienced anything like John experienced. I've I've never had a voice speak to me and turn and look and see seven golden candlesticks and this voice coming that sounded like many waters. I, I know God speaks to me. I know God has spoken to me and, and, but, but the way God has done it for me has never been like that. I've never turned and seen anything other than the natural things that were in the room. Never had a vision. Some of you've had visions. I've I've never had a a vision. I, I've had lots of dreams, but I don't think any of them. Maybe one or two of them were spiritual. The rest of them were just dreams. I I got anybody got a, any of those recurring dreams? Please tell me I'm not the only one. I I got about three or four recurring dreams, and you know one of them. One of the common ones is. I have a final exam. I have not studied. I don't know where the class is. I don't even know where my classroom is, but I, I gotta get to my exam. Thankfully, I wake up and remind myself, I have my degree. I'm done. I'm finished. <laughs> I, I, my dreams are, they're just crazy. They're, they're not spiritual. I've had some of maybe somebody here, I can't think of the top of my head of specific, but I've had folks come, brother, I had a dream and share the dream. And sometimes I'm like, you know what, I think that's from God. Other times I'm like, that's kind of the dreams I have. But I'll pray about it. Oh, don't miss that one. That was That's my pastoral, polite response. I'll pray about it. And if God tells me anything, I'll tell you. <laughs> John's, John's got this amazing experience. He sees some amazing things and he hears some very wonderful things in this experience. I, I'm not sure if there's anybody throughout the rest of Scripture that you could say that their encounter, their experience was any more dramatic, any, any more profound than what John had. Maybe there are others that you could put on an equal footing, but I don't think there's any you could put ahead of this. I, I kind of, you know, he fell over dead. I, I, he probably fell over because he was scared, I guess. I don't. And that voice came up, that hand, fortunately, recognized what was going on. Say, said, hey, don't be afraid, it's all right. Kind of like the disciples out on the boat. And Jesus comes walking on the water in the middle of the storm, and Peter says, is, is, is that you, Lord? He says, it's, it's me. Don't be afraid. John, this experience, and then he goes on to write the book of Revelation. And, 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 and I don't, hope I don't embarrass you for those of you that I am your pastor. I hope I don't embarrass you by this statement, but I, I tend to stay away from Revelation. I kind of, my Bible focuses on Genesis through Jude. You know what, there's, there's, some, there's a lot of experts out there on Revelation. Self-made experts. I'm not trying to be unkind, but a lot of them have, have 
20 years ago predicted things that were supposed to happen 20 years ago didn't happen because of what rev so I, I believe it I just I don't want to get my personal take on it and put it in the same category as others so I wow I mean you read the stuff that John wrote you read the stuff that I mean that that's like modern day movie kind of stuff <laughs> I mean that's Star Wars kind of stuff angels and horses and this army riding coming from heaven and white horses and seals and trumpets and all this kind of stuff going I mean that's some we, we can imagine some crazy stuff in 2017 but you know there wasn't a whole lot of wow see the problem is a lot of people want that kind of an encounter and an experience. We, we want that kind of revelation. That kind of an encounter with God. But, but I, I started at verse 10 instead of verse 9 because I, I wanted you to hear, see all that great stuff. I wanted you to have that in your mind before, you know, many of you already know this, but before we really saw where. Where did John get this great experience? Where, where did he turn and see this candlestick and this voice that he heard and the sound of, where was that? Let's see where it was. Verse 9 tells us, I, John, whom also am your brother and companion in tribulation, and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ was in the isle that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. Hmm. Okay. That sounds, you know, the isle of. The isle of. I, there's a few isle ofs I'd like to go to. Lay back on, we, we had a chance. My wife and I went on a trip a couple of years ago to Jamaica. We, 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 we didn't really know what we were getting into. Sometimes that's a really bad thing. Every now and then you don't know what you're getting into and it turns out to be, wow. I, we went and we had, we, we were going, it was, it had to do with foreign missions and the giving of this church and a group that they invited to get together or whatever and we go and, 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 you know, we'd never been to Jamaica and we didn't plan, you know, they handled all the logistics and, and, and we get there. They take us to check in and we're like, whoa, we can deal with this. I, mean, I kind of had some other expectations, but it was like a cruise ship on land, meaning all the food was included. All the drinks were included. You could just get you a chair on the beach. Fortunately, it was February and it wasn't overly crowded, so you could find a spot where a believer could be. You lay back and the sound of the ocean and Wave to one of the servers. I would like a strawberry daiquiri virgin, please. Get your pina colada, lay back and, I mean, that's a great spot for some revelation. I mean, let's have some visions. In fact, I'm just going to go ahead and even if they're not from God, I'm going to have me some dreams while I sleep. John was on the Isle of Patmos. He must have been, he must have been there for vacation. He had seen the advertisements about the great resort at the Isle of Patmos and he went for some rest. Listen to the Amplified. It says it this way. I, John, your brother and companion, sharer and participator in you in tribulation and kingdom and patient endurance. We got a lot of people that want to be a part of the kingdom as long as we leave out the tribulation part. 
and patient endurance, which are in Jesus Christ. I was on the isle called Patmos, but I was banished on account of my witnessing to the word of God and the testimony, the proof, the evidence of Jesus Christ. So listen a little bit of what this place Patmos was all about. According to Barnes Notes, it says this, Patmos is one of the cluster of islands in the Aegean Sea. It, it, it lies between the island of Icaria and the promontory of Miletus. It is some six or eight miles in length and not more than a mile in breadth, being about 15 miles in circumference. Okay, all right, you know, kind of sounds like Bermuda or one of those Caribbean islands. Okay, except it has neither trees nor rivers, nor has it any land for cultivation except some little nooks among the ledges of rocks. No place could have been selected for banishment which would accord better with such a design than this. Lonely, desolate, barren, uninhabited, seldom visited, It had all the requisites which could be desired for a place of punishment and banishment to that place would accomplish all that a persecutor could wish in silencing an apostle without putting him to death. Uh, Woo, hold on. I'll stick with my dreams. You see, (laughs) 10 through 18 is pretty cool. The rest of Revelation is pretty awesome. What he saw, what he heard. But don't miss where it happened. It happened on the Isle of Patmos, a place that was not being promoted for your next vacation spot. It was a desolate place. It was a barren place. It was a place to send somebody for isolation. But it was in that place that John gets this amazing revelation of who Jesus Christ is and what was going to happen. So I've come to tell some people today, you're looking to get out of isolation and God has been trying to get you into isolation because it's not on the on the on the islands where it's all lovely and wonderful that you get the greatest revelation of who he is but it is in those places that don't seem to be the place you want to be it is in those circumstances that you don't want to be in is where god unveils himself to you the word revelation basically simply means an unveiling. Oh, hallelujah. It's an unveiling. You see, your head knowledge of who he is is not the same as an experiential knowledge. There's a whole lot of people that know some stuff about God. There's a whole lot of people that are educated, they have an educated knowledge of God, but they have not had an experiential knowledge with God. And they are not the same thing. Job said, I heard about you before. I had a, I had a knowledge of who, I heard of who you are. But after Job went through some isolation and desolation and tribulation and the trials that he was in, that's when he then said I heard of you but now 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 that I went through losing everything now that I went through the greatest trial I could go through now I have seen you I have now seen you you see we have this tendency to look for God out of our situation. When God's desire is for us to find Him in our situation. Oh, hallelujah. Here we sit on the, the, as best I can tell from my study of, of, of the, of the statement, the Lord's day. It would sort of seem to me from what I can gather that that would apply basically to really what we also refer to as the Lord's day. 
That's what it's, that's what it seems to me from my understanding. If you know it to be different, so be it. But from my study, it would, we could basically apply what, what John was saying to what we say. It's the Lord's day. The Lord's Day. So here we are on the Lord's Day in a nicely climate-controlled room. It may be a little too cold for some of you, but you can put stuff on easier than you can take stuff off. So it, it might be, you know, you, you sit on very comfortable padded seats and carpeted floors, and if you need the restroom, there's nice restrooms to go. There's a water fountain back there if you get thirsty. There, there's all kind of conveniences. We've got lighting and we've got the music. We, we have, let me tell you something. If you can't get something from God here, you got a problem. I mean, isn't it amazing how we want to criticize the message or the song or the way the service went and blame that for not getting something from God, but John was in the spirit on the Lord's day, except John hadn't showed up at a church building on the Lord's day where everything was in place and in order. John recognized it's the Lord's day and I might be in this desolated place. I might be in this place that nobody wants to be and I might be here because I was banished here because of my actions and my conduct for God. But I might be here, but I can still get connected with something that is not not based on my surroundings. Oh, hallelujah. I know some of you want me to bring you the, 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 the rescue to get you off of your Patmos today, but I haven't come with the answer to get you off of your Patmos, but I've come to tell somebody there is some revelation, there is some new understanding of God that He desires to give you, but it happens on Patmos. You see, it, it, I, I believe it's very, I, I believe the, the, the percentage of the times that the problems and the troubles in our life are a result of God's punishment or it's, it's God punishing us. I believe that that is such a small percentage of what goes on. And yet, our, our, one of our first responses when things go wrong is, what have I done wrong? How did I upset God? Trucks breaking down, can't get them fixed. You, surely, surely, surely you've done something. To make God mad, surely, surely you've done, surely the problems and troubles in your life is because God is ticked off. I, I, I do think sometimes God goes to the extreme to get our attention, but I, I, I got to tell you that my first reaction to my kids when they were doing wrong, especially as toddlers, I did not, my first reaction wasn't to yank them up and spank them every time they did. It was to, my, my, my first reaction was, no, stop. Don't, don't do that. When we reach the point, okay, one more, or you ought to teach them, whatever, okay. I wasn't trying to train them to disobey several times before they had to obey, but I, I don't think a loving parent just automatically reacts with a harebrained reaction. So I don't think every time things go wrong in our life, it's because God's upset with you, and so He's punishing you for your actions. Let me tell you something. There is not one human being in the all the history of mankind that has ever gotten what he deserved from God with regards to punishment. I don't care how bad it has gone in your life. You haven't gone anywhere near getting what you deserve. I haven't. Oh, my Lord. And, and we, our first reaction when we get put on a Patmos is to find out how can I get off of it. Get me out of here. Deliver me from here. 
And God's sitting there going, really? I got some stuff. I got some stuff I want to show you. I got, you know, God, meet me in Jamaica at Montego Bay. There's a great little spot where you and I can relax and enjoy some time together and you can tell me everything you want to tell me. I'm all ears. Patmos? You know, it's in Luke. I forget the chapter. I just read it this morning. I still forget the chapter. The disciples, man, there was a lot of great things that have been going on. And then in the midst of that also is when John dies and they find out about that. And the Bible says he, Jesus takes the disciples away for some rest. He takes the disciples away for some rest. I mean, that's the thing about it. If you, if you're tired and you got to, you, you're able to take the time off and you, you know, you can go away. I mean, I can think of a couple places offhand within just a couple of hour drive of here that I'd love to go. And there's some other places I'm like, no, thank you. Jesus takes the disciples away to rest. And guess where he takes them? The desert. Guys, you're, you're, you're tired. They, they had, I believe it's that passage where it says they've been going so much, they didn't even take time to eat. They were so busy, they didn't even stop to eat. And so he says, you know what, you guys, we need to rest. We need a break. All right, that sounds good. And he, he says, let's go to the desert. Wait, the, the what? Where? The dry place? The, the miserable place? The uncomfortable place? Yeah. That's where I'm going to show you some stuff about me you've never seen and never known before because when you get in that comfortable place, you're not interested in me. When you got all the finances you need and the family's doing good and life's going well and your body's doing good and all that, you, you know what? He said, he said to the children of Israel, I'm concerned. I'm not concerned that you are going to forget about me while you are wandering around in the wilderness and cannot survive without me. I'm not worried at all about that because you know when you need something to eat, there's no Walmart, there's no Sam's Club, there's no Safeway to go to, there's no Deer Park or Refresh or whatever else brand you buy. You've got to have supernatural provision. So it's not hard in the wilderness to recognize I have a need and that's the only answer. He said, what I am concerned about is when you get into the land I have promised you and you live in houses you didn't build and you reap from vineyards you didn't plant and you inhabit cities you didn't build, I am worried that at that point you will forget me. What we often consider to be our greatest curses is God's intention of our greatest blessing. It's because those are the moments that God has designed in our lives to give us some fresh revelation and understanding about who He is and what He is and what He can do. Notice again what John said. He said, I was in the Spirit. There wasn't no we. There wasn't praise singers and musicians to help lead us into the prayer. There wasn't family and friends sitting around us to help us get in that. Let me tell you something there. If you're struggling, I found, I think some of you have as, as well. Yeah, you can go go to your bedroom by yourself and get down on your knees and start praying and you can touch God. You can get what you need from God. Absolutely. But let's be honest. It's a whole lot easier. When you're struggling and going through it to get to church, to get to the house of the Lord and walk in where there are other people who are helped to create an atmosphere of the presence of God and you walk into that and you, you don't, you, 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 you're weary and you're tired and you don't have the strength, but you begin to tap into that. 
John says, I, I, no motif, no Korg, no Rollins, no guitars, no basses, no singers, just me. No padded seats, no pulpit, no platform, no air conditioning, no fans. I, in a deserted place, all by myself. Got in the spirit. And in the midst of that, began to see and hear things that nobody else has seen and heard. (laughs) Here we sit today and the atmosphere is here presence of God is here. If John by himself on the Isle of Patmos can connect and get in the spirit and get some revelation and understand. I got a feeling that it didn't take John long at all to go, you know what? I I could stay here for a while actually. Because my focus is no longer on where I am, but my focus is now on who is here with me. Those three Hebrew children stand there before the king. Said, if you don't bow when the music plays, we're going to throw you in the fire. They say, we won't bow. Our God can deliver us. And even if he doesn't, we still aren't going to bow. Well, how about if we isolate you a little bit? I mean, come on, it's one thing to stand outside the furnace. God can deliver. Woohoo. I believe God, yes. It's another thing when they're now hauling you to the fire. And then the Bible says, the Bible says, I, I just read it again this morning, the guys that threw them in, the guys that threw them in the fire lost their lives. They throw them in the fire. I guess there was windows or something. I don't know how it worked. Bars or something. I don't know how it worked, but they could see in the furnace. Because the king says, didn't we throw three? I I I thought we threw three guys in the fire. I've I've counted a couple of times now, (laughs) making sure I'm not seeing things, and I count four. And the fourth is not just another man, but the fourth is the, is like the Son of God. Oh, hallelujah. It, it was real comfortable outside the furnace saying, you know what, we won't bow. But as long as they were outside the furnace, there was only three that the king saw. Oh, hallelujah. As long as they were outside of the fire, the king only saw three. It wasn't until they got in the fire that the king goes, Oh, wait a minute. There's somebody else with these guys that wasn't here before. I'm preaching to some people today. You're either about to be in the fire or you're already in the fire. But instead of trying to get out of the fire, you just need to start looking around because there's a fourth man in the fire. I, I, I was supposed to be meeting with an individual and he sent me a list of questions. Some of them sort of had kind of a connected theme. Part of it's just kind of, well, where, where's, where's, where's God? Where's God? Why is, why is God allowed trouble? Where's God? Isn't it amazing all the stuff we cause trouble in that we want to know where's God? How come on the days everything's going good, you never ask, God, where are you? When's the last time you laid down at night and had a great day, everything went well, and you said, God, where were you today? 
Never. Never. Not, <laughs> oh boy, not because you don't think he wasn't there, but you didn't need him. You lay down at night, you had a horrible day, things are going wrong, your world's falling apart, and you lay there, and sometimes you lay there with tears trickling down your cheeks, and you're saying, God, where are you? Well, yesterday when everything was going great, I was, I was there. And now today when everything's falling apart, I, I was there. In fact, it would appear to me that he was already in the fire before they got there. So how about if we stop trying to stay out of where God is? Instead of trying to get Him to come out of the fire to where we are, why don't we go to the fire where He is and get some fresh revelation and understanding and see some things about God that we never knew before? Use these verses a week or two ago, I think very first two verses of the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. According to the next verse, it wasn't just nothing that He created it out of. It says it was without form and void. There was darkness upon the face. There was something there. And it was out of that that God pulled, that God created what we now see. Some of you sit this morning... You've got some darkness in your life. You've got some voids in your life. You've got some chaos and some confusion that's going on in your life. And your your primary focus is God fix this. God change this. When God's primary focus is I want to show you something about me and the circumstances and the situation that you are in. How could the psalmist say, yea... Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because thou art with me. I think the reason he was able to say that is because there were some valleys of the shadow of death that he had walked through and began to learn that, you know what, I may walk through the valley and it may not be a good valley, but I don't have to fear because he is with me. won't take time to do it, but I could go from Genesis throughout Scripture and show you person after person after person that the opportunities, the moments, the situations in in which God manifested and revealed Himself to them was not when everything in their world was perfect and everything was in order. There's a whole lot of things that we call Blessings that are really curses and a whole lot of things we look at as curses that are really blessings. There's a lot of things that people call blessings that those things they call blessings lead them away from God. Blessings that make them too busy for God. Blessings that cause them to put God on the back burner. And when I need you, I want you to be there waiting for me, and I'll come get you. And then there are things that God allows in our lives that we think to be curses that are things that the intent, the purpose behind them is to drive us or to pull us to Him. And anything in my life, no matter how painful it is, that brings me closer to Him can never be considered a curse. And in fact, some of the greatest blessings that you and I have had in our lives are some of the most painful things. Because it is those very things that provided us the opportunity to get a revelation, an unveiling, another perspective about God, who God is, what God is, what God can do. And it's, we, 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 man, we've never been more connected as a society, and yet 
just as lonely as we've always been. I mean, you get, if you want it, you can pretty easily get at least a couple hundred, probably. Probably people in this room right now that you got a couple thousand friends on Facebook and friends. I love when people give shout outs to, to their Facebook family. Hmm. That's some real family there. <laughs> we text, man, text all the time, get group chats and this and that. everybody's everybody's connected and yet most people still feel so lonely. Do you do you understand that loneliness? Loneliness is one of God's greatest gifts. Uh, uh, let me back up and make sure my pronunciation is correct. Gifts. So now we have gifts. For those of you that don't know what a gift, G-I-F-F, is, don't worry about it. But it's not the same as a gift. Loneliness is one of God's greatest gifts. Gifts. It's one of God's greatest blessings. How about that? A crowd of people to be in is not God's greatest blessing. God's greatest blessing oftentimes is loneliness. And isolation because that's the place. There's people sitting in this room right now. You feel so lonely and you are, you're like somebody drowning in the water that you are absolutely panicking trying to find something to grab onto because you can't stand the loneliness. And then we start getting bitter at those around us and we start blaming others. We blame the church. We blame the lack of ministry. We blame this and that because I'm all alone. And they're, no, 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 you don't understand God. God. God has created your loneliness because God is so desperate. So desperate to provide. Do you understand what I'm, I'm, I'm closing? I, here, I'll go shut my iPad. Y'all weren't supposed to know that's the signal that the musicians know when to come. Trying to be stealthy and not make some big... Now you know. You know what, Brother Bard, John could have sat there looking around at the rocks and the lack of vegetation and become extremely bitter. You, you do understand he wasn't there for killing anybody. He wasn't there because he was a, a rapist. He wasn't there because he was some thief. He was there because of the Word of God and preaching the Word of God and an, and an apostle. They tried to kill him and that didn't work. He tried to boil him in oil and that didn't work. <laughs> so now they stick him on this island by himself. John could have sat there and crossed his arms and allowed bitterness and resentment to begin to boil inside of him. After all I've done for you, God, and this is the thanks I get? After all my faithfulness, after everything I've done, and after all I've given, and this is what I get? You put me here? You put me in this situation? You put me in these circumstances? He's, he could have easily done that. Easily done that. But somehow... Something got a hold of John. I, I, and just permit me for a moment. I, I'm not making this message. is not about Sunday, okay? But just, if you will, permit me to say it this way. Something got a hold of John. Hey, it's Sunday. And if, if something don't happen any other day of the week, Sunday's a good day for something to happen. And even though he was all by himself, John made up his mind, I am going to get in the Spirit. <laughs> I may not get off this island, but I'm going to get in the Spirit. I may not get out of this trial, but I'm going to get in the Spirit. I, I may not get what I'm looking for, but I am going to get 
in the Spirit. Because if I get in the Spirit, I I really may not have known what I was looking for. But I'm going to start to see some things if I can get in the Spirit that will cause me to forget about all of these circumstances and situations that I'm in. David, I think David said something a little bit similar as to what is said of John. They had gone to fight a battle. They come back. And all the soldiers find that their wives and children are gone. The enemy has come in and stolen them all away. And David is distraught and worried about what's going to happen and afraid that the men are going to kill him and take his life and be upset with them. The Bible says this. The Bible says it's a very key phrase that I'm not sure how many of us have really ever learned that really we need to learn. The Bible said David encouraged himself. We, we need, we need some help. So we, who can I call? Who can I text? Who can I call that'll give me a word? Who can I call that'll prophesy to me? And the Bible says David encouraged himself. All by himself, all on his own, he got in the Spirit. There are people in this place today that I believe God will eventually turn things around in your circumstances. God will change things. I, there are people sitting in this room right now that have, you, you, you went through some struggles. Some of you went through some situations and circumstances in, in life. Some trials you went through that some of you lasted for years. That it, it, it almost, whether it really was or not, it almost seems like that just God just, in just a moment, turned it around. I mean, just almost out of nowhere, turned it around. Can God, will God change your circumstances? Absolutely He can. Will He? A lot of times He will. But He's more concerned about you seeing some things about Him that you've never seen before. You experiencing some things about Him that you've never experienced before. He's more concerned with that than He is with just changing your circumstances. Fixing your world. I believe there's some people sitting in this sanctuary today Whether you are a guest, a visitor, you come regularly. There are some things that God is so desperately wanting to reveal to you. Why why can't He just do it? Why don't He just do it? Because there's some ways He works. There's some patterns He has. And there's some really good reasons for that. I was sitting the other day first day of a class Timothy is taking. It was kind of an orientation day and I sat there and, and, and the teacher made the statement along these lines. You know, we, we say God works in mysterious ways. God works in mysterious ways. She said, no, he doesn't. And at first I was like, And then I, I I backed down and I thought, you know what? You are you are really absolutely correct. He he doesn't work in mysterious ways. For two thousand, four thousand, whatever plus years that this book covers, <laughs> he doesn't work in mysterious ways. He's actually somewhat predictable. We just don't like the ways. 
And then we hope, we hope. You know what? I, I am, I am. He's playing. That ought to give you some hope. So 20, 25 years. I, I don't. Please tell me. I've never asked you. I ask you this for all these people. This could be really bad. So we'll see. Please tell me I am not the same husband today I was 25 years ago. Much better. <sighs> Thank you, Jesus. Not that I was bad, she said. Thank you. You, you, can, you can be honest with this. I want, in fact, there's an answer I hope for. If you don't give this answer, I'll think you're lying. Have I arrived at the husband you expect me to ultimately be? No. That was what I was hoping for. I am not. I, 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 am, I the, am, am, am I the same? No, I, won't. I, I don't want my luck to run out. I'll stick with my wife. I'm, I'm not. I, I, I think... I think I'm a much better husband. I think I got a lot of areas. I know, absolutely, I know I'm not there yet. I know that as long as we are blessed to be alive and share life together, I will never become, I will never achieve the final level of a husband because I'm a human. But John says, John 1 and 1, says something very similar to really what was said in Genesis 1 and 1. John says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same God that John talks about that was in the beginning is the same God that is here today. He's not a much better God today than He was in the beginning. Because He can't get any better than He was. Because He is the I Am. Everything He will be, He already has been. Everything He can be, He already is. And He already has been. So He does not change. He is the same forever. I I know I'm the only one in this room. I know I'm the only one in this room today that has at many, many times held out hope. God, okay, I I know what you've always done, but, you know, you and I could have a little exception to the norm. I know how you normally work, God, but listen, let's just, just you and me. Kind of like, you know, household with multiple kids. One of them trying to get something. I won't, I won't tell, Mom. I won't tell. Like God, listen, I know how you dealt with all them, but you know, you and I, listen, we don't need all that, God. He said, yeah, we do, because you're not really going to see me for who I am. You're not really going to know me for what I am and who I can be for you until I get you in some isolated situations. And Till I get you on some islands that are not islands of preference for vacation, but they're islands of banishment, they're islands of isolation. But it's in those moments, if you will just not get bitter and angry and resentful with your circumstances, but realize that in this moment, in this location, I can get in the Spirit. And when I get in the Spirit, there are things that God desires to show me that I have never seen before so whatever your knowledge and understanding is of God today no matter how much you know about him you never know all there is to know about him I don't care how great your relationship with is him and how much you know about him you haven't even scratched the surface that's not a criticism that's that's a positive thing that just means there's so much to him there's so much about him left for me to understand and know and get to know. But I've got to be willing to accept some of the circumstances and situations. Some of you that ask the question today, God, where are you? If you would really listen close enough, He's probably actually saying, I'm right here. 
something right here. In the midst of isolation, I'm right here. But I don't feel you, God. Yeah, well, Paul helped us with that one. We walk by faith, not by sight. I think I could say it this way. We walk by faith, not by feeling. So it's not about what I feel. I really doubt John was sitting there on the Isle of Patmos on the Lord's day. And as he's sitting there, he just, mm, mm, ah, what's going on? Oh, my, it's, oh, it's here. It's moving. I got a feeling John was sitting there going, This place stinks. I'd rather be anywhere but here. But I know what to do about being here. And if I'll just reach out and connect and get a hold of Him, this may not change, but this is going to change. I'm going to know some things I didn't know before. I'm going to see some things I haven't seen before. Eyes closed, head bowed, if you would, please. I I know I preach a little longer than I normally preach on a Sunday morning. But I believe God's talking to some people today. I I don't think there's anybody, I don't think there's anybody today that your situation is worse than John's. I don't think there's anybody today that what you're dealing with is worse than John's situation, but... Maybe some of you perhaps could argue where you're at and what's going on is as bad as John's. Maybe you could. Figuratively, you could. I I don't know. Here's the thing. If in a situation as bad as John was in, he could get the revelations he got. In whatever situation you're in, there's some revelations that God has to give you. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. God, I know there's some people sitting in this place today that are in circumstances that feel like isolation, feel like abandonment, feel so lonely that their eyes have been focused on their surroundings. But I pray that right now you would help them to do as John did and get in the Spirit. Because even in the midst of the adverse circumstances they're in, there's some things that you desire to unveil, to reveal, to show to them. In the name of Jesus, as heads are bowed and eyes are closed, please. I open this altar right now. Yes, you could respond where you're sitting, but as I said many times in the past, there's sometimes that there's something about making a move, taking a step of faith that for a lot of different reasons is extremely important. So I open this altar right now to some folks today that you're in some isolated situations. You're in some circumstances that you could describe similar to what John was in and what John experienced. But would you get your eyes off today, the circumstances you're in? Would you... Would you get your eyes off of the location? Would you, would you get your mind off the fact that you are on the Isle of Patmos all by yourself? And would you get your eyes on the fact that there is a God who is desiring to give you some revelation about Himself that you've never seen, you've never known, you've never understood before. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Come on, I believe, I, I believe God's talking to some folks here today. And at the risk of being pushy, I, I'm, I'm prodding some of you to respond. I don't believe God, I don't believe John got in the Spirit because the Lord initiated. I, I know it doesn't say it and maybe I'm assuming here, but, but I think John got in the Spirit by his actions. I, I think John had to do something to get in the Spirit. I think God responded to John and John got in the Spirit on the Lord's day. It wasn't the Lord that made the first step because most of the time that's the way it is. It's us that has to make the first step. We've got to reach out first. We've got to seek after Him. He said if you would seek me with all of your heart, you would find me.
Come on. I know it's not what our flesh wants. I know it's not what our humanity desires. But I do believe there's some hope, there's some heart, there's some spirits in this, there's some souls in this place today that your ultimate hunger and desire is not convenient, comfortable circumstances, but your ultimate hunger and desire is, God, I, I want to see you in a way I've never seen you before. I, I want to experience you in a way I've never experienced you before. I, I want to learn some things about you for myself, not just based on what others say, not just based on the testimony of others, but I want it to be my own experience. God can you trust him enough today to leave you in your circumstances but reveal himself to you can you trust his motives enough today that God if you don't change what's going on around me it's for a good reason there's some stuff you're trying to show me there's some things you're trying to reveal some things you want to unveil that I've never seen before and and you've got to get me in the right place the right position to be able to see those things in my normal circumstances in my preferred circumstances I I'm just not able to see it the way you want to show it God but when I get my eyes off of where I am and I can get my eyes on you you can open my eyes to see things I've never seen before. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Somebody's in the fire today. Somebody's in the fire today, but I've come to tell you there's a fourth man. I've come to let you know you're not there by yourself. God is there to give you some understanding about Him you've never had before. God is there in those circumstances to reveal some things to you about who He is and what He can do. In the name of Jesus. There's some folks that are down here praying. Somebody would praying. Somebody would join with them, pray with them. Maybe there's some folks that are still sitting in your seat that are praying and could use somebody to join with them and pray. If you don't need to respond for yourself right now, would you let the Holy Ghost use you to minister to someone else? If you need to get something, if you need God to talk to you right now, that's fine. But if not, would you, would you be a conduit for someone else? In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, God, I pray that you would help somebody understand today that the circumstances they're in, the challenges and difficulties is not to be automatically to, to, to be interpreted as punishment. It's not automatically to be interpreted, interpreted that you are displeased with us. But it very well may just be the circumstances you have designed to reveal to us some things about you we've never seen before. Show us things we've never been able or we've yet to experience ourselves. Let somebody be able to say as Job said, Lord, I've, I've heard of you with my ears. I've been told about you and I've heard about you, but now, now after some trials and tribulations, now after some tests and difficulties, now after some circumstances I, I would not have chosen for myself, now after that, God, I can say that I have seen you. I have seen you with my own eyes. In the name of Jesus. 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 Give somebody the grace today, God, to get their eyes off of circumstances and get their eyes on you.
to get their eyes off of the surroundings you've placed them in and to fix their eyes on you. The eternal, unchanging, almighty God that you are. The Alpha, the Omega. The beginning, the end. God, if I've got to be isolated to see that, if I've got to be by myself to get that revelation, so be it. But I want to know that you are the first and the last. I want to know that you are the beginning and the end. I want to know that you are the Almighty God. And I don't want to just know it from head knowledge. I want to know it from experience, God. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And the hill would not be hard to climb. He never proffered a victory without fighting. He said help would always come in time. Just remember when the valley of decision. And the adversary says, give in. Oh, just hold on. My Lord will show up. He will take you. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Some are still praying. Please feel free to do so. Those of you that need to go or want to go, you're welcome to do that as well. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. 